Hello and welcome to This is Oro Valley, a podcast where we explore the talented people and the great services that make the town of Oro Valley the vibrant community it is. I'm Mary Jacobs, town manager, and today on the show, we'll be speaking with Oro Valley Public Works Director and town engineer, Paul Kiesler. Paul oversees a lot like transportation planning, engineering, traffic engineering, highway safety improvements, street maintenance, pavement management, stormwater, flood control, fleet and facilities. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty big repertoire of what he's responsible for. But overall, this work is absolutely integral to creating a safe and efficient community for all of us to live in. And we are impacted daily by the challenging projects that Paul tackles. Paul, welcome. Glad to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, I think it's really great when we're able to share with our community who exactly is working for the town of Oro Valley. Tell us a little bit about what your background is and what drew you to public public service. Sure. Well, um, I was in the private industry for quite some time. I um, was on a the long work your way through college program. I started (laughs) started my first engineering drafting job back in 1988 in the mining industry. And um, that's going to school at the same time, finished my degree up in 93 and became went back to the same company to uh, continue, you know, doing international mining work um, for a while. That was great. But as I had a family and was starting to get really settled down, you know, traveling around the world was not really in the cards for me anymore. So I started to do local work. I, I changed jobs and in, into a, a local engineering firm where we really concentrated on uh, subdivisions and um, doing commercial projects or, or around the Tucson region. And then um, I, I remember this. I was driving around the uh, the Foothills Mall, and I'm always critiquing other engineers' work, as <laughs> any engineer would do. And, you know, driving around my wife in the car and, you know, complaining about, well, here's this. I wouldn't have done it that way. Or here's that. You know, it doesn't seem entirely the best way to do something like that. And she she said, well, you know, you really do need to put your money where your mouth is. Uh And have you ever thought about doing public service? And that's really that really lit a light bulb on me. And I was actually doing the first phase of Steam Pump Ranch and really, uh, um, drew a close relationship with the then town engineer, Mr. Craig Sivalier. And um, at the time, Craig was Craig was Craig had many hats on and he was just getting drawn in too many different directions. And, you know, just opportunity, opportunity was knocking. And that's where I went ahead and um, that's where I went ahead and decided to just, you know, ask, is there any openings? And the, matter of fact, there was an opening at the time. It was for their, um, in the public works department, their uh, uh, development review manager. So it was part of the whole development efforts of doing the engineering review. Right. And then you've transitioned from overseeing uh, both public works and development review. And, and now you're just really focused on those public works functions. Yes, that's that's correct. It's, it, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite an expansive um, list of responsibilities where, you know, public works really does need the concentration. Um, it really deserves that concentration because of the amount of, of public assets you're really maintaining and making sure are staying uh, in proper condition for the, for the constituency. So um, I, was, I was glad that we were able to take in, and focus me in on that. 
Yeah. And, you know, so you, I, I mentioned in my introduction, all of those different areas that you oversee, but, you know, in general, like a, a day in the life of the, the public works director and, and town engineer, Paul, what, what are some of those key highlights of things that you're responsible for here in Oro Valley? Sure. So, um, you know, with, with stormwater, we have, we, we want to make sure that the town is stormwater ready, stormwater um, set. Um, you have to meet what's physically out in the field to make sure that the washes are conveying properly, the drainage structures are clear and operating the way they should. New development is creating the proper uh, the crop the proper uh, infrastructure that's needed to to account for the drainage that they add. Um, there's also state and federal regulations that we have to meet. So all of that kind of wraps up into the responsibilities of the floodplain manager, which is the town engineer. Among your other duties. Right, right. You know, we, we street street operations. You know, there's one thing of, of, of being able to engineer the projects, but you still have to maintain them, you know, between crack sealing and, and making sure the shoulders are in proper condition and the drainage ways are clear again. Uh, we have our own staff that, that goes out there and takes care of that. So that's part of our responsibility. Well, and let's face it, our staff does a stellar job in maintaining our roads, uh, you know. You and I have driven around this region. Yeah. We probably have some of the best roads in town. Yes. Why is our why is our infrastructure the best? Um, one, two simple words: pavement preservation. That's because um, this council and councils before have made the conscious um, decision to support pavement preservation. That is key, and it's a it's. It's an incredibly important thing that council has made a priority for the town because, again, you can see in other areas where they have not made it a, a priority. And pavement uh, with the Arizona sun and the amount of traffic that we have, those are two really big um, um, factors that cause the degradation of, of pavement. And um, you constantly have to maintain it. You have to think of pavement as a living, breathing element that, that takes constant care. You, you have to feed it on a very regular basis. Well, and it's a pretty expensive piece of, uh, of infrastructure. You know, what are we talking about in terms of the value and the, the number sure. of lane miles that we have? So we have over 400 lane miles of, of public streets in Oro Valley. Now we have many more private uh, lane miles. Um, and of course a lane mile is one lane for one mile in length. And um, the value of that Let's just say we stopped taking care of our pavement and we just let it go to the point where you could not preserve it anymore. The cost, the value of the just the asphalt alone is well over $100 million. So let's just say in rough numbers, um, in 20 years, all of our pavements would be crumbled. If we didn't do any pavement preservation, all of our pavements would be crumbled into dust. Um, it would cost us in today's dollars, not in 20 years dollars, in today's dollars, over $100 million to go ahead and replace that. Or you could preserve them. You can preserve these pavements with an investment. We invest right now about $1.5 million a year. So if you look at that over 20 years, that's $30 million. Do you want to pay $30 million piece by piece? Or would you like to pay $100 million all at once? In 20 years. So that's unfortunately where some other jurisdictions are at. Whenever any of us go and pump our gas, part of that 
gas tax that we pay for each gallon of gas that goes into our vehicle is distributed to cities and towns across the entire state. So Oro Valley gets its fair share of that, just like Tucson and and uh, Marana and Saurita. That's correct. And our fair share is $4.1 million. So we can only use that for street maintenance and anything related to rights of way. That's correct. But we don't just rely on that revenue source. We actually plump it up a little bit, don't we? We do. We do. We So in order to do everything that we do out of public works, we do need general fund support as well. And, you know, a, an important part of what we do is that pavement preservation, which is right now at a million and a half. And as we age as a community, I can see that going up closer to two million. I mean, it will it will continually grow, um, as as do all expenses. Um, but yeah, that's all part of the big picture is that the, the town has made the investment through our general fund uh, towards highways. Right, and not every community allocates that same high dollar amount, that million and a half dollars for a community our size toward pavement preservation, which is unfortunately part of the reason why maybe some roads aren't quite as in, in good shape. But that's where that priority has been so important. And that comes straight from the council. That's correct. And I, I do want to thank the council. Um, the support for roads, as important as I, as I say, um, the rubber meets the road with them, pardon the pun, um, and they 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 support that. And I'm very, very grateful that, that they continue to support that and to continue to make the community be able to have the roads that we do have. It's the penny wise and pound foolish type of thing where, yeah, it might hurt and it might need to be a priority that year, but, yeah. but in the end, it pays off. What's your strategy? What kinds of things do we do to our pavement in order to make sure that it stays in the great condition that it's in and that it, it, because I assume that this also means that we have an extended life on our pavement. We actually, we do. Uh, for first let's, let's talk a good example of an extended life. Look at Rancho Vistoso Boulevard. That road is, is about 40 years old and it's in great shape. You never know it. I would have never guessed that it was 40 years old. Right. And that's because it's been maintained from day one. Um, a road will last almost indefinitely if you do proper maintenance. So what we have is all of our roads are on roughly a five-year rotation. So a road will, will typically see a pavement preservation uh, effort of varying degrees of need every five years. We have a database. That database has all of our roads um, labeled with an OCI, which is an operational uh Operational condition, condition Index. And that index uh, tells you roughly how many cracks, you know, what, 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 what's, the, what's the condition of the road in its life cycle. That tells us what type of pavement uh, preservation method is needed to keep it up. Now, um, think of roads as like the skin on the back of your hand. If you get dry and cracked, you put moisture, you put a moisturizer on it. And that makes it better for a while. And then you have to reapply moisturizer. Well, roads are the same way. You have to apply oil. Oil um, evaporates in the Arizona sun. The sun is the worst enemy to a road. And um, making them supple and making them flexible uh, prevents them from cracking and breaking apart. 
So, you know, this time of year, we see a lot of that, uh, what we call the little squiggles in the roadway, right? The, the crack ceiling. What is your, and we do that with our own team. What do they do? I mean, what are they doing exactly? Sure. So a part of the whole program is, is that um, on the off seasons, when we're not doing pavement preservation, for those roads coming up for pavement preservation, the first step is to go ahead and seal all the cracks. You want to make sure that water is not penetrating down below the asphalt. So we go out um, generally in the fall and winter to uh, apply crack seal. And then that road will be on the next available cycle for the actual pavement preservation method, whether it's from a fog seal, which is putting just a light coat of oil on it to just absorb into the road, all the way up to like a sand, which is just, which is a rubberized chip seal. You you mentioned earlier that the the town council today and our previous town councils have been really diligent about continuing to contribute to pavement preservation. And of course, that's one of the reasons we've got our great roads. But we have other partners too, don't we? Um, and those partners help us with um, some of these big road widening projects. Talk to us a little bit about those partners. Sure. So we have... We have uh, the Pima Association of Governments, or PAG, and we have the Regional Transportation Authority, which is the RTA. Uh, PAG and the RTA have been the major contributors to all of our road widening projects. So uh, road widenings really happen on the major arterials. So when you look at um, First Avenue, La Choya, La Cañada, Lambert, uh, in the future, it's going to be Shannon Road. All Tangerine the, even. Tangerine, right? yeah, yes. Tangerine. All the roads on the one-mile grid system, those are, those are considered the major arterial roads. And they're regionally significant, which means that people living outside of Oro Valley may travel on them to go through Oro Valley to get to someplace else outside of Oro Valley again. Uh, so it's not just the traffic that's generated by us. It's traffic generated by the entire region. And with that, it gives us the ability to tap into that funding um, which, which allows us to do major widening projects. For instance, La Choya. The price tag on the La Choya project was $25 million, which is more than what our HERF allowance is uh, for the town. So these major projects are, are really made possible by the, these regional partnerships. Well, in regional, we and we so appreciate their funding, which really is a part of the half-cent sales tax that the region contribute right. and we benefit from those but we also partner with our adjacent jurisdictions as well don't we we do we do so uh for instance the tangerine road project was in was a was three jurisdictions it was oro valley pima county and morana we all we all uh huddled together and worked that project together um, and again these regional corridors go through many jurisdictions and you have to work them as a team and, and that's why it's important to have these very close relationships with, uh, for us, would be the, the three jurisdictions of the county, Marana and Oro Valley. I'm particularly proud of the work you and your team did on what I think is a very innovative solution to a, a challenging issue. And that was the installation of the roundabout, the town's second, because we have another one at Hardy. Uh, but our second roundabout at Moore Road and, and La Cañada Drive. Talk to us about how we came to that conclusion. And also, let's let our listeners know how it's working. Yeah. Um, well, how we came to the conclusion was is that we hired a consultant to go ahead and do a design, look at different options to 
um, mitigate problems that we had in that intersection. It was a four-way stop intersection, and we were having lots of accidents, so we needed to do something. Now, I myself am a classically trained uh, engineer. I know signals. I, I know them like the back of my hand. Um, less classically used, of course, in the, in the United States, are roundabouts, at least in Arizona. Um, so it took some it took some deep dive and some education on my part to really weigh the pros and cons between a signal and a roundabout. And and as it turned out, our consultant was right, and the data behind it showed that the roundabout was actually a safer uh, installation. Uh, for that particular area than a signal. But I do want to say it is an innovative roundabout because there's still some, there were, I still had some misgivings for a roundabout or concerns. There's pros and cons. There were still a few cons on the roundabout. So I sat down and, and, and thought about this at length and really mapped out what those cons were. And, and really the cons were, um, you know, pedestrians crossing, you have a constant flow of traffic. How do you get pedestrians to safely cross um, and get people to recognize that they are crossing? The other thing is it's a multi-lane roundabout. That means there's two lanes going in, there's two lanes going out on all four directions. And how and people are just not used to navigating this. So those are the major things I wanted to tackle. So we implemented some unique solutions. So for the pedestrians to get cars to stop and force cars to do the speed limit through the roundabout, which is 15 miles an hour, that allows if a, if a car sees somebody in the crosswalk, they can stop immediately. Right. Um, we raise the crosswalk with a speed hump. That, that takes, that takes um, uh, compliance completely um, to off the table as a choice, yeah, right. you must comply because otherwise you're going to be looking at some, some, some suspension work on your car. Um, so we did that to slow people down so that if somebody's entering the crosswalk, they can stop immediately. The other thing is in a roundabout, there's a lot of things going on. And again, if you have people that are not too comfortable with a roundabout, you want to make sure, again, that they can see pedestrians and they can recognize them. So we installed um, flashing beacons that are pedestrian operated. So, um, so as you enter that roundabout, as long as the pedestrian has activated that signal, you really have something flashing in your face warning you, hey, you, you, should, you should look around and, and look for something and stop. Um, then the other thing is, is, is people, when they get inside these multi-lane roundabouts, knowing which lane to be in, how to transfer from lane to lane inside the roundabout, well, we had an opportunity here to create the ability to focus traffic to stay in their lane. And when you keep traffic in their own lane, you pretty much remove that glancing crash ability of switching lanes inside the roundabout. So that's really the, the three major things that we were able to do to make this roundabout, you know, a unique, a unique installation that I think is, is probably one of the safest ones I've ever seen now. Well, and it clearly was recognized for its amazing and innovative design by the Arizona Public Works Association as the project of the year, which I'm really proud of your team for that. But bottom line is the proof is in the pudding. Right. And we haven't had a single accident in that roundabout, and it's been more than a year now. Right. And, right. and I, I think that is what our community needs to be proud of, that you took the time to review this, this option. You had to be convinced yeah. You had to be convinced, I did. but you dug into the data and, and when it comes to roads, 
you are focusing on data. Right. You make data-based decisions. Right. And as a result, this is what we get. And we get safe corridors, safe intersections, approaches to our traffic signals in a safe way. Right. And we don't have huge, not to say, I mean, we have accidents, of course. Traffic safety is something. We have a lot of cars. Right. But I think that we have a pretty safe community. And when you don't have to worry about potholes and that sort of thing, people slamming right. on brakes right. because they're trying to avoid a, a pothole. Right. It mitigates the opportunity for additional crashes that we don't we don't want to see. So kudos to you and your team for just that focus and that constant focus on safety for our community. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, let me add what, you know, the potholes that you mentioned, that's one thing that we pride ourselves on. Oro Valley with zero potholes. If one were to ever form, we, we are notified immediately. We, we take care of it immediately. So we maintain a pothole-free street network. What are some current projects or maybe even some future projects on your list that that you want to let our residents know about? Part of what I'd want to do um, as my tenure as town engineer is to continue the safety of the streets of Oro Valley. Um, Oro Valley started off as a rural community, you know, lots of horse property, um, lots of big lots, uh, two lane rural roads, no, no, no turning lanes, um, no shoulders, no curbs. My goal as town engineer is that is that really the urban influence of Tucson has stretched into Oro Valley. We are truly a suburban community. As such, these two lane rural roads, I do want to convert them into three lane suburban streets. That is, is uh, I'll use like Calle Buena Vista. Um, there's a lot of turnoffs on it. And when one wants to make a left-hand turn, they actually sit in traffic to when it's clear and make that turn. Uh, Shannon Road's another one. I do want to convert these roads into three-lane roads with a center turn lane. Again, as you become, as you become suburban, that pressure of traffic and um, the ability to turn off becomes greater because there's just more volume. Um, that's one thing that I want to do. The other, the other major thing is connectivity of multi-use paths and sidewalks. We have a lot of disjointed paths and sidewalks and a lot of places where people have to walk along the shoulder of the road. A goal of mine is interconnectivity, is to, is to get more of those built um, and to create that global network through Oro Valley, which one can get on a sidewalk or a multi-use path and they never have to actually walk on the edge of a street. And we see those being used so much in our community. They right. are an incredibly safe place to be, to enjoy our beautiful weather right. with their families on their bikes, whether they're running or whether they're walking, it doesn't matter. Um, and we get to connect to the county loop and, right. you know, even paths that are in our HOAs. So those connectivity goals that you have, I think are tremendous. How are we going to get there, Paul? How, do, how are we going to do that? Sure. So um, other than just say we need more money. <laughs> <laughs> I'd always like to get more money for that. <laughs> However, so I mean, there's several ways to uh, to address creating more sidewalks and multi-use paths. Um, one of them is that we have constructed some of our own. We purchased our own small paving machine that is perfect for for creating these multi-use paths uh, out of asphalt. 
Um, we also require developments as they build to either provide um, a multi-use path or a sidewalk along their frontage, either physically or with an in lieu of fee that we hold until such time as we're ready to create an entire connective network. Um, you know, one of the things as a town engineer, you don't want to have uh, sidewalks that start nowhere and stop nowhere. You really want connectivity. Um, so, and then there's also money available through the PAG, through PAG and the RTA with regard to uh, safety elements. So if there's an area where we have a safety issue, um, the key is to try to get the, get the pedestrians off the edge of the road and onto a, a formalized sidewalk or multi-use path. I sometimes get questions about our development impact fees, and we do have one for transportation. Right. What is it, and where do those dollars go, Paul? Sure. So the development impact fees that we receive on transportation, the purpose of them are to mitigate the impacts that um, private development has on a roadway system. So we treat Oro Valley as, a, as one area. And which means we can apply the fees to any given area for capacity-related issues. And as the as a town engineer, I look at capacity in really three three venues. Venue number one is just cars traveling down a straight road. Uh, venue two is the cars being able to turn off the road, additional turn lanes. And then the third aspect, of course, is taking care of pedestrians, getting pedestrians off the road, because when you have pedestrians walking along the shoulder of the road, you generally have slower traffic because they're going to be concerned about the pedestrians. So all of that together, you can spend these fees on. The fees are created um, by the amount of development a developer builds. Um, they submit those fees to the town. Um, we sometimes um, need right-of-way from a developer so we can give them a credit or, or what the what the market value of the land is that they gave the town. Um, all of these help us with our roadway network, and that's what the fees are supposed to be applied to, is it's, it's a, a data-calculated um, impact that we project as to new residents coming into Oro Valley or new users of Oro Valley roads. What do they do, and how do we need to expand our roads to be able to accommodate them? It's basically new growth paying for its fair share. That's correct. That's what right. it is. Right. Well, Paul, I am really thrilled to be able to share with our community the amazing work that not just you and your team do, but the but the results. The results, particularly today, focused on pavement preservation, our great roads that we have. That's not by accident. That is really by design, by a lot of hard work from you, your predecessors over the years, your entire team. I just want to thank you for being on the show today. And I hope that the information that you shared today will be something valuable to our listeners that they might think about the next time they're driving on Oro Valley Roads. Thank you. Thank you. This has been This is Oro Valley, a podcast produced by the Town of Oro Valley Communications Division. Be sure to stay up to date on current affairs and events at orovalleyaz.gov community. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next month.